Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey there, friend. Glad you came by. I put together this little submarine here out of sheet metal, and I was wondering if you'd help me try it out. Distasteful? Oh, Chester, sorry about that. I'll tell you what, first ride is on the house. No sense of humor, that guy. I'd like to see him write a damn script. Well, that's it. No more tasteless jokes from me. From now on, it's all business. Mmm. All right, smoke them if you got them and sink those asses to the bottom. Cause old Drew Blood has a tell-to-tell. Rigmarole. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. You know, Drew Blood's Dark Tales is only one of the many shows on this network you could be listening to. We hope you'll subscribe to our entire lineup, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, Fear from the Heartland, and Horror Hill. All available on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit simplyscarypodcast.com to become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you get our entire catalog ad-free and available to download or stream. A bargain. And now, back to the show. For our first story tonight, we welcome back our pal Gray Walker whom you might remember from his excellent stories The Condemned, The Mist of Carpenter's Ridge, and Project Morpheus. And this one, a post-apocalyptic vigilante is reduced to a Twitch streamer. So, without further delay from author Gray Walker, I give you... Jackal.
whoever popularized the phrase zombie apocalypse and thought of what it entailed needed to be horsewhipped, flogged, and given a good old-fashioned spanking for good measure. At least, that was the opinion held by Leon Winters. He drove his modified armored bank car down the interstate, the city of Dallas, Texas growing closer with each passing second. Leon was a jackal, the unofficial nickname for the freelance zombie killers that entered the infected zones. Their job was to kill the undead for the benefit of civilians who were disappointed at having their zombie apocalypse fantasies dashed, but too cowardly to enact them. When the undead had arrived, they had not brought the ruin of humanity with them. The militaries of the world had been quick to contain the hordes, setting up quarantine zones that consisted of many cities and towns, and the vaccine had been made by the Trinity Corporation. But with that came the trouble of what to do with the infected. Sending the military or police in to exterminate them was supposedly deemed unethical and a risk to the personnel and any possible uninfected survivors. That was where the jackals came in. Originally formed as a vigilante effort to fight the zombies, they eventually caught the attention of the government, who outlawed their work unless it was used for public services or entertainment. By the sadistic whims of some trickster god for all Leon knew, that translated to getting paid to livestream zombie snuff videos. The insanity of it would have made him laugh if not for some of his viewership. Reading some of their requests made him ill sometimes. Set them on fire, one might say. Kill them with household appliances, another would read. Kill only the females, read a rather nasty viewer, to which he just blocked and reported them. Yes, sir. This was the post-apocalypse everyone had waited so eagerly for where society flourished in most places and became third-world undead-infested shitholes in others, where the rugged survivors were just some schmucks with cameras who slaughtered the undead for the vicarious pleasure of anonymous gorehounds who couldn't be bothered to do it themselves. Leon sighed, then pulled a cigarette from his pocket and lit it, letting the bitter, earthy smell of the tobacco fill his lungs and steal another year of his life, so the doctor had told him once. Wonder if I'd taste like tobacco to zombies, he mused in a moment of dark humor. Wouldn't that be a sight? Oh, God, these are the worst lungs I've ever eaten. What the hell did you do to yourself, you poor bastard? He laughed quietly at the image, taking some solace in the fact that he had at least inconvenienced them. Hey, they'd be devouring him. He may as well go out giving them the proverbial bird. Pulling up to the cordon outside the city, Leon showed his ID after a routine inspection. He was cleared to enter, though he heard one of the soldiers muttering jackal prick under his breath. Not that Leon could blame him. He knew his profession was less than ethical. Driving a few more miles, the cordon had been set up to prevent the zombies from getting too far. He eventually entered the city. Sure enough, there were a group of shambling corpses a quarter of a mile from him. Making sure that his body armor was properly secured, he inspected his weapons. A large tactical knife, an assault rifle, a pump shotgun, and a semi-automatic handgun. He put a series of grenades and spare mags on his belt and in his tactical pouch, respectively. 
along with bandages and other medical supplies. Once he was done, he put on the helmet with the gas mask, then pressed a button on the side. The eyes of his mask lit up, and the chat box on the side appeared on his heads-up display. With a ping, his first commenter gave the classic greeting of first. Saying nothing, his gloved hands grasped the steering wheel as he revved his engine. The commenters began to respond accordingly, prompting various responses of, oh shit, or here it comes, and other eager exclamations. Interstage right, he thought. Glad he didn't say it out loud, since he didn't know if that was the right term to use. He put the vehicle into drive and floored the gas pedal, plowing into the horde of zombies in front of him. Bodies splattered all over the truck, the sidewalk, and the nearby buildings, decorating the vehicle and the road behind him with a grisly new paint job. For the sake of style, he quickly turned the vehicle so that it drifted along the road for a few feet before stopping. Sure enough, the chat was filled to the brim with excited pings, so much so that he muted the sound. He gave a thumbs up to the camera in his mask. He had made his career as a jackal by doing what he did without an intro, catchphrase, commentary, or any words whatsoever due to wanting to be more efficient and professional. That, and he just wasn't much of a talker. Some of the thirst comments he read only made him that much gladder he kept his face hidden from anyone who wasn't in the military. Slinging the shotgun over his shoulder, he then jumped out of the vehicle and landed on the ground, assault rifle in his hands. He let off a few shots into one of the nearest zombies that had survived his Mr. Mercedes onslaught. Three shots in the chest, two in the head. It fell with a sound like a throat made of sandpaper, though he couldn't say why that was the first thing that came to mind. He closed and locked the door of his truck. As luck would have it, another one of the surviving zombies was one of the freshies. Zombies that didn't rot. It shrieked at him, then started running straight at him. Pretending to be caught off guard for the audience's sake, he let the freshie tackle him, struggling to clamp its teeth into his flesh. Not that it would have done much good due to the body armor. This was interrupted by Leon driving his knife into its throat. It gurgled. Then he removed his handgun and fired under his chin, coating the camera eyes of his mask in blood, much to the excitement of his viewers. He felt the freshie fall limply off of him, and he wiped away the blood and retrieved the knife. The timer, which had started the second he had exited the vehicle, continued its countdown from 60 minutes. That was all he needed to do for his streams, kill zombies for a specific amount of time, then just leave. And so that was what he was setting about doing. He lightly jogged, albeit weighted down by the armor and shotgun. Zombies, fresh and rotted alike, walked the streets, their heads snapping to attention at the sight of new meat. As he aimed the rifle at him, firing off controlled bursts, one of his viewers, to his annoyance, began to spam the chat with, Grenade, grenade, dumbass, grenade. Others began to join in on the complaints, not seeming to get that he was trying to lure the freshies in so he could shoot them and save his grenades for if he was surrounded by the rotted. Eventually, though, he complied and pulled the pin, throwing it in their direction, blowing several of the zombies to pieces. 
Now exasperated that his compliance with backseaters had caused him to take on this next duty, he walked to where the grenade had exploded, then began shooting the remains. Still, he said nothing. He needed to put on a good show. As if to emphasize this, a notification appeared showing that he had received $250 from one of his viewers. Given a thumbs up to acknowledge this, he continued. He wouldn't be going too deep into the city, just a few miles in at most. Then the stream would end and he would head back to the vehicle. He snuck up behind the zombie in a nearby alley, his viewers sending in enthusiastic comments like, Ooh shit, he's gonna do the thing. He's gonna do the thing. Sure enough, he did the thing, i.e., grabbing the zombie's head and with a grunt, snapping its neck. This was easily accomplished by virtue of it being rotted. It collapsed with a raspy snarl mixed with gurgling as it died. A notification told him that he had received $450 from some username he didn't bother to memorize, just giving another thumbs up. Leon continued on his less-than-merry way, shooting, stabbing, and bludgeoning zombies with nearby objects. As he went, he took notice of the ruined orange jumpsuits many of the freshies and rotteds wore. It wasn't much of a secret by now what many inmates faced as a means of cutting down on prison costs, but it still made him sick to think about. And that didn't stop a few of his viewers from expressing their assumptions of what the zombies did when they were still human and declaring this to be justice. Justice. Leon didn't care what they had done. Nobody deserved to be turned into a lifeless husk, forced to shamble around, eating people. Not even the rich old fools who had put that policy in place. The kindest thing that he could do for them was give them a quick death and ignore some of his viewers that demanded slower, gorier deaths. A couple of them even began saying things like how other jackals were much better because they straight up tortured the zombies. It was true. Leon had watched those streams, and that was how he was able to emphasize with that soldier's perspective on jackals. His ruminations were interrupted by a message. You have received $560 from... Leon didn't look at the username, just gave another thumbs up, then continued. At some point, he checked his timer. Ten minutes left and counting. Aw, oh, damn. I've been at it for that long already, he thought. Isn't time supposed to fly when you're having fun? Evidently not, if the timer had anything to say about it. Well, at least he was almost finished. This was interrupted by a high-pitched shriek that caused the zombies to stand still. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Any attention they had on him was diverted to the sound, as was Leon's. He had encountered a couple of these before, but not often. The virus, known colloquially as the Trinity strain, after the company who accidentally made it and made the subsequent vaccine, was not the typical zombie contagion. For some people, it immediately turned them into shambling corpses through rapid necrosis, letting them keep only the instinct to eat. Others turned into the freshies, who also possessed a desire to eat and nothing else. But for a select few, the virus made them into the aberrants. These were stronger, faster, and more intelligent than the average zombie. There was one catch, of course. Like the others, its humanity was sacrificed by its need to eat. But unlike the other types, it still had enough functionality in its brain to enjoy eating, and to not only be pleased by the feeding, but by the chase and the kill. The kicker? It scared the zombies too, and for very good reason. Unlike the zombies, it didn't just eat humans. Case in point, a block away, Leon watched as the howling aberrant pounced onto a freshie, then dug its teeth into the side of its neck, pulling away and chewing messily. It was a tall, muscular man with long, shaggy black hair. Its face was mutilated and eyes completely bloodshot. Its nails had grown out into long, jagged claws. As it chewed, it watched its prey choke milky eyes looking at the hunk of meat that used to be attached to its throat, then breathe its last, at which point the aberrant spat out the flesh it wasn't already chewing. It wasn't human anymore, but it was still just human enough in the worst possible ways. The aberrant turned its bloody face towards Leon, and even though the gore coated its face, he knew it was smiling at the sight of fresher meat. Of course, Leon had no intention of letting this thing eat him. His past experiences with aberrants were the reason he wore body armor after all. He ignored the chad exploding into a chorus of holy shit, run, what the fuck is that, and more helpful screeches of grenade, grenade, grenade. Closing the chat, he set his assault rifle on the ground. It would do him no good. He was glad he brought the shotgun with him as he removed it from his shoulder. It charged at him snarling, splattering any of the zombies frozen in primal fear that stood in its path. Pumping the shotgun, Leon prepared himself, knees bent slightly for the strategy he had devised for these creatures. It was just ten feet in front of him now and it was clearly banking on its strength being its saving grace rather than speed or skill. 
It was trying to knock him down, then eat him. The thing was, like its siblings before it, it didn't know Leon Winters as well as it thought it did. It thought he was standing still because he was afraid like the fresh he had been. But just as it was nine feet away, it leapt for him, and he rolled out of its path, letting it skid along the asphalt, giving it what had to be the world's worst knee and elbow scrapes, if the Crimson Trail had anything to say about it. As it raised its head up to furiously regard its would-be prey and attack again, it came face to muzzle with Leon's shotgun which then erupted into a brief flash and a loud crack as it sent the slug round into its skull. Its arms flailed limply in the air for a moment, then it collapsed, the pulpy ruin of its head spreading over the asphalt. Leon let out the breath he had been holding, then pulled back on the slide of the shotgun, ejecting the smoking shell. Seeing that their apex predator was now dead, the zombies broke out of their fearful trance and ignored Leon completely as they began gathering around the once hulking monstrosity. They didn't actively hunt humans or each other. They were more opportunistic when it came to food. A beast that was still human enough would serve as a perfect meal for them. Sion, Leon picked up his rifle slung the shotgun over his shoulder and walked back to the truck. He checked his timer. It had run down and the number of zombies he had killed, not counting the ones he had run over, showing itself to be about 67. A lot of jackals didn't get more than 50, either due to focusing too much on showing off, sightseeing, or being big-mouthed jackasses, whereas Leon was more pragmatic, saving any spectacle for the intro. Once secured inside the truck, he removed the ammo from the guns and switched the safeties back on. He then reopened the chat, which was exploding again with praise, numerous donations adding up to the sum of $30,500, including the previous donations, and still more grating comments asking about why he didn't use grenades or why he didn't kill any more zombies on the way back. Clenching his teeth, Leon forced himself to wave into the camera eyes of his mask. A message showing the chat that his next stream was scheduled for about two weeks from then. With that, he switched his helmet off, looked for the cushion he used for long trips, then pressed his face into it and gave a muffled, cathartic scream. His frustrations quelled, he cranked up his truck, then began to drive out of Dallas. Stopping at the cordon, he was inspected for bites with the same soldier that insulted him before pointing out the blood covering Leon in the truck, then sardonically asking, Well, they do say that you'll never work a day in your life if you love your job. Leon ignored the quip, instead hopping back into his truck once the inspection was finished, then began driving away. That was what separated Leon from fictional zombie killers. They had goals, ambitions, motives. Hunt down an evil corporation spreading a zombie virus. Look for a cure. Escape a zombie-infested city. Survive in a shopping mall. Kill zombies because they were brutal sociopaths who found a good excuse, etc. Not Leon. Leon only did what his viewers wanted. Did what he could to pay for everyday necessities. 
it was a day in the office for him. That was why he put up with those jackasses on his streams, save for the ones who said truly obscene things. He couldn't block or report people for annoying him unless it crossed the line into harassment, a matter of semantics in his work. As he continued driving down the deserted interstate, he thought over his job. The soldier had missed the mark. Leon didn't enjoy his job, nor when he was in special forces, not now. He was just damn good at it. Society didn't accept people of his skill set, though. They only enjoyed watching him use it for their own benefit. His fans might mourn his loss if he ever met his end during a stream, if only because they'd never see his brand of zombie murder again. But they'd quickly move on to some other jackal, one who was more compliant and talkative than himself. Still, he'd keep at it. There had been a few fans who had messaged him personally after streams, asking if he was okay, if he needed to take a break, saying he seemed a bit on edge while filming, despite him not speaking a word. It was for those fans that he did this. They may have liked living their zombie fantasies through him, but at least they cared about him as a person. He heard a ping from his phone, a message from one of his viewers. He knew he'd hear more, and he'd go through them when he got home. Who knew? Maybe another one of the more considerate fans might have messaged him out of concern. It was a naive hope, sure, but at least it gave him something to look forward to in this line of work. And that was Jackal by author Gray Walker, a good reminder that I ought to be accepting donations. Speaking of donations, I'll be kicking off my Patreon page within the next couple of weeks, y'all. Won't be anything special, but if you've ever felt like you wanted to support what I do and support the show, then this will be the way to do so. Right now, Jeff and I are putting together a little bi-weekly talk show. It'll be just me and him bullshitting about every little thing. From past stories we've done, to future stories, to the split tail files, and of course there'll be plenty of laughs, and it'll be available exclusively on the Patreon page. So if you're interested, keep your ears open because in the next couple of weeks we'll be kicking that off. Okay, enough of that. So a little about the author. Gray Walker is a writer from Alabama currently working on getting his M.A. in creative writing. His favorite genres of writing are sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and some mix between those. His main source of literary inspiration includes Stephen King, William Gibson, Isaac Asimov, and fellow Reddit authors Elias Witherow, C.K. Walker, no relation, Matt Demersky, and Mr. Outlaw. Thanks, Gray. And for our next story this evening, we welcome back our old pal P.D. Williams horror author, funny man, and often some measure of both. I think it depends how long he's been drinking at the time. So without further delay, I give you, from author P.D. Williams, The Scene of the Crime. Owen was back in his small bedroom, 
all alone with his boredom and depression. He didn't know it yet, but all hell was about to break loose. It all went down on Highway 52 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Alex Carrington, a 22-year-old police rookie, pulled over a reckless driver by the name of Michael Joseph Watts. It turned out that Mr. Watts was a violent felon on parole. For him, a simple traffic citation was a ticket back to prison. The blunt in his hand, along with the unregistered 9mm tucked under his seat, would seal the deal. Officer Carrington didn't know that he was about to cause a fierce competition between Watts and the police in and around Winston-Salem. The culprit's gun was the starting pistol. The contest began once the bullet hit Carrington. Owen sat on the cheap swivel chair in his bedroom, scarfing down a jumbo-sized bag of nacho Doritos and washing them down with two liters of marshmallow cream soda. Like any outcast, he was alone. No pals, a crappy job, overweight, and living in a house that had once belonged to his parents, his dead parents. It was his house now. It saddened and haunted Owen that the house where he had celebrated many wonderful Christmases and birthdays had not so long ago been a murder scene. His guilt over not rescuing his parents still overwhelmed him. Where was I when they were being killed, he had asked himself countless times. What was so important that I couldn't be here? He was grateful that his recollection of the event was hazy. The only thing he remembered was they died violently in their kitchen. Maybe it's better that some things go unremembered, he thought. Owen led a solitary life and was often lonely. Enjoying an occasional walk on the wild side kept him occupied. To do this, he stayed up late using the police scanner he bought at an auction. A scratchy voice pierced the silence, breaking his boredom. All units... All units, we have a code 10-1. A code 10-1 on Highway 52 southbound near the Clemensville Road exit. We're on it, another voice responded. Owen picked up his laminated sheet of police codes. The catalog said that code 10-1 meant someone had shot an officer. And if the incident was on Highway 52, it must have been a traffic stop that took a wrong turn. Whoa, now we're cooking. Owen said, rubbing his chubby palms together. Mostly, Owen heard a lot of boring radio conversations. Then there were calls like this one that made his heart race. It was like what emergency dispatchers and first responders normally say about their jobs. Long periods of dullness interrupted by short periods of excitement, fueled by adrenaline. Someone shot an officer, likely killing him or her. Owen stayed glued to the radio like a basketball fan listening to the Final Four. After several minutes, a police officer broke in to confirm there was a uniform down and unresponsive. He told the dispatcher to order the paramedics to hurry, though he didn't do so in a G-rated manner. A short time later, the dispatcher interrupted again with a critical update. All units in the area of South Clemensville Road. We got a 1032. Please proceed with caution. The suspect exited the vehicle on Kunawak Drive and is armed and running. We've got a chopper in the air surveying the surrounding area. Witnesses reported a white male about 5'10 and 190 pounds. He has short black hair and is wearing jeans and a white t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. 
Roger that. Several officers answered. Oh, the plot thickens, Owen said with twisted glee. He rocked back and forth as he listened for the next transmission. Soon the dispatcher rewarded his patience. He alerted the officers who were pursuing the perp that the police chopper had spotted him running through backyards in the 3200 block of Rennan Road, a lower middle class neighborhood close to Owen's. Oh my god, this could get crazy, Owen chuckled. Soon he could hear a helicopter and police sirens. At first he was excited, but his enthusiasm soon morphed into deep concern as the noises drew closer. Uh-oh, what's happening? He asked. By the time everything was on top of him, Owen had become distraught. The pilot got on the radio. Guys, he's a hundred yards west of you. The neighborhood dogs were barking their heads off, further adding to Owen's distress. Panicked, he wondered if he should go hide in the closet, the bathroom, or the basement. The chase had lost all its entertainment value. It was hitting too close to home. Owen heard someone collide with the garbage cans in the alley behind his house. Oh, crap, he said breathlessly, his pulse pounding like a 1980s techno beat. Stop. Drop your weapon and lay face down on the ground. I said stop. The voice was coming from overhead. That's the chopper, Owen thought. He heard his kitchen door exploding inward, followed by soprano screams. Shut up, the cops will hear you, a voice barked. Please don't hurt us, said a man. Just take what you want and leave, added a woman. Oh my god, is that mom and dad? Owen asked in horror. The memories of the horrible night that had happened that year before sent a chill of fear and disbelief through him. No, 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 he mumbled, unaware that he had even spoken. This isn't happening. The chopper pilot alerted the cops underneath. This is Big Bird. We got a 1023. He just entered the White House, third from the south corner. Owen glanced down at the code sheet. It corroborated the obvious. He had a cop killer in his kitchen. But who was with him? The ghost of his parents? Please, don't let this be real, he begged. It's not possible. There's no way that... The gunshots were booming. Owen's ears were ringing. He heard the stomping of feet rushing through the house. He clung to his chair, his breath coming in sharp gasps. His eyes wide with fear. He had no spot to go. There goes my front door. Owen thought. Drop it now! Someone yelled from the living room. The warning preceded a flurry of gunshots that sounded like fireworks. Something heavy hit the floor so hard Owen could feel the vibration through his feet. Then the light shut off and everything was quiet. A chill rolled through Owen. He remained motionless. His breathing was quick and strained. The Doritos and marshmallow cream soda were backing up on him. He waited for someone, hopefully a police officer, to make his presence known, but no one came. The radio that moments ago had been alive with the sounds of other mayhem had gone lifeless. When Owen's overburdened heart couldn't handle the suspense any longer, he pushed himself out of the swivel chair and tiptoed to his bedroom door. 
He pressed his ear against the thin wood and listened. No sound came from the other side. He eased the door open and peered into the pitch-black hallway. Hello? He asked, his throat dry and his body racked with acute apprehension. I, I live here. Is anybody there? Nothing. Pushing through his frigid fright, Owen left the safety of his bedroom and slipped out into the hall, but remained close by in case he had to hightail it back. He stood rigid, hoping to hear or see something, but nothingness greeted him. Owen went to the living room first to assess the damage. The room was dark save for the weak illumination from the street light that stood just beyond the house's scraggly front lawn. Broken lamps and vases littered the dim room. Someone had overturned one of the wingback chairs. The ugly couch with its outdated fabric was askew. Owen stopped. He'd stepped on something light-colored and crinkly, a tape outline of a person. The sight of the tape left him shaken and repulsed. A stiff crimson stain coated the carpet within and just beyond the dry tape. Owen stepped over the gruesome discovery and headed towards the mangled opening of the door. When he got there, he barely managed to stop himself from walking through the yellow police tape blocking his doorway like a plastic cobweb. What's up? The loud crackling of the police scanner startled Owen as it revived itself. We've neutralized the gunman, the voice said. You've taken the gunman down? The dispatcher asked. Affirmative. We're checking the house now for residents. Owen's chest heaved as if someone were pumping it full of air. What just happened? He wondered. The mysterious calmness of the house left Owen frightened and confused. So did the bloodstain, but not from its presence. It was the lack of the body it had leaked from. Where the heck did everybody disappear to? He wondered. Silent seconds passed. What's going on? He shouted to the empty house. Owen needed to get the lights on. The breakers were in the basement. Unfortunately, the door to the basement was in the kitchen, the place where his parents had suffered execution for the crime of being at home. Owen's dark imagination seized his frantic mind as he pictured his parents' corpses sprawled on the ground, punctured by bullet holes, a look of horror and surprise etched on their faces. He choked back a sob. Oh, Mom. Dad. His melancholy became fearfulness as he wondered what he might find there. Rotten bodies? Shifting shadows that resembled those of his deceased parents? Despite his terror, he felt compelled to visit the room of distant ghosts to make sense of the night's supernatural events. Entering the kitchen, he came across two faded body outlines on the dingy linoleum floor. The pond of dried blood that surrounded them made it difficult to tell whose was whose. He swooned. I think I'm going to be sick. From the bedroom, the scanner shattered the eerie quiet again, causing Owen to jump. Dispatch, we have a 187 here. Got that, a 187. 
The dispatcher repeated before handling the request. We need a coroner and CSI unit at 1106 Water Street. Copy that. We're en route. Owen had memorized several codes. The lowest one signified mundane incidents, such as drunken disturbances or abandoned vehicles. The authorities assigned the higher codes to critical events, such as homicides, robberies, or assaults. Owen didn't have to remember what a murder victim was. He squinted, feeling the tears burning his eyes. God, why are you making me relive this? Owen asked the quiet heavens. I can't lose them a second time. Please, whatever this is, make it stop. Unit 11, do you have a name yet on those 187s? Give me a second to check for some ID. Grief paralyzed Owen. I can save you some time, officer, he thought. They're my parents. A short time passed before the officer reported. Let's see. According to some mail on the kitchen counter, we've got Joe and Angie Mellish. A distant voice bled through. Hey, Frank, we have one in the back bedroom. Check for ID, Frank answered. One more, Owen thought. Who else was... His stomach fluttered. Got it, Frank, the officer hollered. His name is... Owen Mellish. And that was The Scene of the Crime by author P.D. Williams. A good reminder that if you're haunted by past events, at least you can enjoy the Doritos again. A little about the author. P.D. Williams is an author of short horror fiction, composer of music, and prolific eater of barbecue. His upcoming audiobook, Dark House, Many Rooms, will be released later this spring and will feature the best voices in horror, such as Jeff Sturdivant, Paul J. McSorley, Drew Blood, and others. For more info on P.D., visit him at pdwilliamsauthor.com and we'll keep you posted on that upcoming audiobook as the story develops. Thanks as always, P.D. And do old Drew Blood a favor, would you? Subscribe to his podcast wherever you do your listening and leave him a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. He needs soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and he appreciates it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all the other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click Patrons in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to their entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all the latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with them each and every week. Oh, and you can find Drew Blood on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. The Drew Blood's Dark Tales podcast is accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on the show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment.
10 bananas. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, friend. At least till next week. So grab a drink for the road. And since we'll miss each other on the 4th, everyone have a happy Independence Day. And may the wind be at your back. And may the road rise up to meet you. Remember, there are perfectly good videos of the Titanic all over YouTube. Just saying. And if that ain't good enough for you, well, you know what to do. Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.